It is Friday, September 29th. I'm Scott Sadenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Lions take over Lambeau. And 100 wins for the O's. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Detroit Lions and their fans take over Lambeau Field. Major League Baseball postseason races coming down to the wire and weather playing a role, AJ. But it is a football Friday. We'll have plenty of Major League Baseball coming up later on in the pod. Also, college football. We have four games on the schedule tonight, including a top 25 matchup in the Pac-12. So plenty of college football breakdown coming your way. But we kick things off with the NFL kicking off week four with the Lions heading into Lambeau and their fans invading Lambeau. 34-20, they beat the Packers. And this game was never really in doubt. This was a one-sided game. Uh, The final score looks a little more competitive than what the game feel was. This was the nightmare performance for Jordan Love. This was the game where if the Packers are still not sure, this is one where he wishes the film didn't exist. He didn't have a lot of time to make throws. Aaron Jones makes his triumphant return. Five carries, 18 yards. Christian Watson makes his triumphant return like a ghost. So this was a a rough day for the offense. Another really strong defensive performance for the Detroit Lions. Created a couple turnovers, but even when they didn't create turnovers, they were dominating this game, uh, particularly in the the early goings when it mattered. So this was a – the Lions defense continues to impress me. And the stats tell the same story. This is 400 yards to 230 yards. This was a this was a really one-sided football game. Yeah, look, this was the, the tale of two halves. Because in the first half, it was a dominating performance by Detroit. You mentioned Jordan Love not having any time. He was sacked. He was rushed. He was hit. He was pulled down to the ground. He had the bad turnover. And the Lions easily were walking into the end zone in that first half. The game was... Almost out of reach. I mean, you knew it was going to be, you knew that the Packers, based on what you saw last week when they came back and won, that they would show some sort of fight. But down 27 to three, it was a a tall hill to climb, right? So good opening drive in the third quarter. They get the Christian Watson touchdown. You think all is, is, is right. And then the two point conversion. So they make it interesting in the fourth quarter. They get the touchdown. Two-point conversion would have been nice to get, but Jordan Love got headlocked and dragged to the ground at the one-yard line. So it's 27-17, 27-19. It didn't matter because from that moment on, they, uh, you know, it's like they they did something good by forcing the three and out for the Lions, and you felt, hey, we the Packers have all the momentum, right? Like this is this is this is great, and then nothing, right? They finally score a touchdown, and then they let the Lions go right down the field and score a touchdown. And so then you have a chance, and then Jordan Love makes a bad decision and throws an interception. Like, they were actually driving down the field. They got down to the 14-yard line when it was 34-17. Maybe you can make it, you know, a game, because there was still at that point plenty of time left, right? 
Like, we're still looking at, uh, I don't know, four minutes left in the game. You still had timeouts. You still had the two-minute warning. But Jordan Love made a bad decision there. Um, he eluded a sack. He backpedaled and then threw it into, I, I don't even know where he was throwing the football. Um, and, yes, it's a game where you're going to watch the film, you're going to watch the All-22, and you're going to say, there's moments where Jordan Love shows like he's got something. That dime down the field at the end of the third quarter where really there were zeros on the clock and the play should have yeah. never counted. Like that was a the, the, the Jaden Reed, like that was a nice pass. But then the decision making, the throwing off your back foot, a lot of mistakes were made by a young quarterback that clearly when you're playing from ahead, they those blemishes don't show as much. When you're trailing and you put everything on him, those blemishes are going to show, and the Lions' defense was too much, and Jordan Love wasn't up to the task. Yeah. Wait, are you talking about four minute, four minutes, two minute warning timeouts? It was thirty four seventeen. The win percentage was zero percent when Jordan Love threw that interception. He threw, if they scored, it was zero percent. It was scored, over. They score a touchdown there. What's the score? Thirty. The win percentage is zero percent. Thirty four twenty four. If you ran the simulation a thousand times, you get zero wins. None. Not one. Thirty four twenty four. It was over. They get the football. Mackenzie, I'm just trying to cover my <laughs> teaser, all right? I had plus eight and uh, a half. It all makes sense now. It all makes all sense now. The teaser was, was live. The teaser. the teaser was definitely What live. does your computer say about the teaser percentage? Look at that. Well, bro. now it's a zero percent. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the more uh, the more painful interception in the game, the, the one that really sealed it was they're down 17-3 in the first half. They're on the 10-yard line. Jordan Love throws a pick, yeah. and it's two plays and a touchdown. And now it goes from 17-3 to 24-3, and it feels like the game just crumbled. Like, that, that to me, it, and I know it was really early in the game. It was like 14 minutes to go in the second, but it just felt like that was the death now. And what's crazy is the game started off where it looked like, oh, man, Pat, like Jared Goff throws a pick on the very first drive, and you're yep. thinking, man, maybe there's something here for the Packers. They get a field goal. And then there's just it, it's it's thirty minutes of disaster football for the Packers after that after that field goal. Thirty passing yards in the first half for the Packers. There was one point where they were like point four yards per play mm. total. That, that's that's cr insane. And How good are the Lions? What's Lions what, are three it, and it, one now. You know what though? Like what's wild is I mean yeah, David Montgomery had a really nice game. He had the three touchdowns. Jared Goff didn't blow you away. He threw a bad no. interception early and. And it was really the defense that got after the Packers. But, again, the Packers missing Bakhtiari, other injuries up front. Like, I, I feel like the Lions defensively can, can can keep themselves in a game against anybody. The Lions, listen. But then again, go back they to the Lions 37 held, points against the Seahawks, which doesn't make sense. But you know what? They held the, they held the Chiefs to 20 in Arrowhead. Yeah, without Kelsey. Uh, they, it's Patrick Mahomes <laughs> at Arrowhead. They held him to 20 points. Now, I got the same stats this year as like Russell Wilson. And <laughs> and then, you know, you go back to last week, and they completely dominated the Falcons. The Falcons' offense that had looked pretty good, yeah. like was running all over everybody, they could do nothing against them. And, and why did you like the Lions against the Falcons? Because the Seahawks' loss that you're talking about was pretty fluky. There was that pick six. They had the most... Turnover bad luck of yeah. the week. They should be 4-0, arguably. Yeah, this is this is a, a better team than I thought. They're just good for different reasons than we expected. Like, we expected this to be an offensive juggernaut and hoped that their defense would be good enough to make them serviceable. No, their defense is better. Their, their defense is better. Aiden Hutchinson's a problem. Think about it. Let's rewind to where... 
Let's rewind to where someone said, you know what? We should take the fifth best player on Georgia's defense, number one overall, instead of Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> mm. That was a big mistake, I feel. That was a bit of a misstep for I, the Jags. I can't even remember that guy's name. Trayvon Walker. There you go. Yeah, he was like literally. Any sacks this year for Trayvon? I don't know, but he was like the fifth best guy on his college defense. But he don't looked, hear his name often. He looked really good in shorts and a tight compression shirt, and they were like, oh, my God, we got to draft him. Also, can we talk about Sam Laporta? He's like, good, too. Five catches in, in week one, six in week uh, five, five, eight, and four. Iowa's tight ends, that's a good crop. Yeah. I mean, he might be the steal of the draft, one yeah. of the steals of the draft this year. I, I And you look at the Lions, look at their schedule. Home against the Panthers, they'll be favored. Actually, do we have that line right now against the Panthers next week? Yeah, I'll grab it. I would assume it's yeah, Lions six, yeah. maybe six, five and a half. I would guess, I would guess at least six. Okay. At the Bucks. They'll be favored. They'll be favored. At the Ravens. They will not be favored. They will not be favored. Home against the Raiders. Favored. favored. At the Chargers. No. I don't think so, but a lot could happen between yeah. now and then. Home to the Bears. <laughs> yeah, listen, man. Home to the Packers. There's, yes. There's a lot of wins left on this schedule. I'm just I'm just looking at, forget about like giving them wins, just games that they will be favored in. There, You can look at the schedule right now and say there's legit only one in the Ravens, two at the Chargers, Three at the Vikings, maybe. Four at the Cowboys. There's four games for the rest of the season where they will be an underdog. Uh, at the Saints, will be close to. Yeah, yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe five games. Five games where they will be an underdog for the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, so the look ahead line at the Panthers was minus six. Got to imagine it opens up six and a half, seven. You know what? You're right. It will go higher. It will go they higher look good. That. They Under look up. good. Yeah, this is a this is a team that looks like again. I, I was looking to find a reason to not like the Lions coming into the season. I, my thought was, what have the Lions ever done to be favored to win a division? Because they never win the division. Uh, but so far, they they look like the real deal. This has been an impressive start for them. Have you seen the video of Dan Campbell talking about how he just cares for his players so much and he just wants to give them the best chance to succeed? Yeah, years up. It's not that bad. <laughs> you know, it's kind of corny, but it's it's not that bad. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun to see what this Lions team does. Three and one right now. We mentioned the schedule. What's the win total? And what do you, what do you think? 11, 11 and a half? I think it's probably it's probably uh, I would guess ten and a half is what what I, I would guess Vegas has it if they've got one up. I think that's the right number. Ten and a half over is minus one twenty five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. One more win, I think it goes up. I think Packers now sitting at two and two. They are at the Raiders next week. Do we have a line for that one, McKenzie? Uh, then they follow up that up with at Denver, and then they've got home games against Vikings and Rams. Uh, they still have the Chiefs to play. They still have the Chargers to play. So some tough ones still left for the uh, for the Packers. Two different look ahead lines. One was Pickham. One was Packers minus one and a half at Las Vegas. Yeah, I wonder if the Packers will be favored now. I, I, a lot of it, I think, depends on Jimmy Garoppolo's status as well. So, uh, but yeah, this was this was the first time this season where the Packers looked like a, a bad team. Yeah, in their 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 first loss to the Falcons. I mean, that's a that was a tough game. It was a a coin flip game. Last game they won. It was a coin flip game. They probably should have lost. This game, they just looked out. They look outmanned. They look overmatched in this game, which was it was surprising to me. And I was also surprised how many Detroit fans were in the stands yeah. at this game. That's a a shocking number for Green Bay. And we always talk about who's got the strongest home fields. And usually, when we're in when we're in that conversation, it's like Seattle gets a good home field number. 
Green Bay gets one of the best home. I don't know, man. Like, if Green Bay is going to let that many Detroit fans show up, that's it's hard for me to say Green Bay is still one of the toughest home, toughest places to play for for road teams. How, how do we feel about the Packers as a whole? Right, we're looking at them at two and two. We could argue that the game against the Saints had Derek Carr not gotten hurt. It's a completely different story, and their only win on the season would be against the Chicago Bears. Doesn't look as good as it did week one. No. no. And listen, and Jordan Love, uh, before this game, was sitting 16 in our uh, weighted QBR PFF grades. I imagine he goes down. This, The Packers, like their roster feels like pretty neutral to me. Like I don't think the Packers have a bad roster, but I don't think they have a great roster either. David Bakhtiari going on the IR is not good news for the overall strength of their roster. But I think this team goes as Jordan Love goes. Mm-hmm. Like, if Jordan Love ends up being an above-average quarterback this year, I think the Packers can make the playoffs. If he doesn't, I think they're sitting at home. I think it really is as simple as that. Like, if Jordan Love balls out, this team can do something. If Jordan Love plays like he played yesterday, they're probably a seven-win team. And Jordan Love has one of the biggest disparities between his QBR, how well the team does on offense when he has the ball, and his PFF grade, how much the graders think he's actually performing Uh, well. So that kind of suggests that he's going to fall back closer to below average than how he's played so far this season. Yeah, he coming into this game was eighth in in QBR and 23rd in PFF. So the PFF. I wish our competition was just a QBR competition. We would be. I would be so much better off with Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott and Jordan Love. They're all doing great, except for PFF says. Just to put that put that into perspective, like some guys that they think have looked better so far this season than Jordan Love, Uh, Josh Dobbs they think has looked better, Uh, Daniel Jones they think has looked better. No way, really? <laughs> yes. So that's CJ Stroud, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mac Jones. There's a pretty pretty who's who of meh <laughs> quarterbacks uh, that they think has looked better than Jordan Love so far. So, uh, But I, does that seem fair to you guys? Like if Jordan Love is an above-average quarterback, the Packers are an above-average team. If he's not, they're not a good team. I think yeah. he's average. I think they're an average team. I'm hoping they win eight games so I can cash my ticket. Okay. I I would agree with that. It is a football Friday here on Straight Out of Vegas AM. So without further ado, let's preview the Sunday week four slate in the NFL. And it'll start bright and early in London. Get your crumpets ready, Scott. Cheerio. (laughs) All right, all right. By order of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, Jaguars or Jaguars? Uh, well, when they play in London, they're the Jaguars. <laughs> right? Classy. Mackenzie, Jaguars or Jaguars? I'm going to say Jaguars till the day I die. Right. I know it's wrong. I'm a Jaguars. Jaguars guy. Jaguars. Jaguars. I think, when Jaguars. I think when they're in London, though, Jaguar. That's the way to do it. Jaguars. Like the car. The Jaguars. It's not a car. <laughs> it's a Jaguar. It's a Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> Jags, three-point favorites over the Falcons. No movement in this line, McKenzie? No, it's been going back and forth between three minus 120 and three flat. You can find either one. I talked about this on the Dream Pod. I, I'm a big fan of the Jag, Jags in this spot just because <laughs> of their familiarity with playing in London over the years. Trevor Lawrence was the first rookie quarterback to win a game in London back in 2021. Desmond Ritter, he's not a rookie, but he is a first-year starter, and he has been bad on the road. Now it's a different type of road trip playing across the pond, as they say. So I think that works out in the Jaguars' advantage. The only, I do have a little bit of concerns because Arthur Smith did win as the head coach of the Falcons back in 2021 in London, so he knows 
what goes into a pre-London football week. But Desmond Ritter still hasn't experienced it. So think about this. Think about the Detroit Lions last week against the Falcons and really last night against the Packers. Detroit's defense, particularly strong against the run, meh, against the pass. But when you take away the run, and what I mentioned, Aaron Jones, five care or eight carries, five yards or 15 yards, whatever it was last night, just nothing. And it was the same way with the Falcons. You take away the run, you make a young, inexperienced quarterback beat you. Ritter couldn't do that last week against the, uh, against the, the Lions. The Jags are built the same way. Mm-hmm. They stop the run. They stink against the pass. They're going to say, you want to beat us? Desmond Ritter's got to beat us. And I don't think he can do it. The Dolphins are at the Bills. McKenzie, what are we looking at for this game? Minus two and a half, minus 120. So the Bills maintaining that home field advantage number. When you say mi- minus 120, that's on the on the Dolphins? You on, gotta... on the favorite. So it's minus 0.27. So it's not just home field advantage. It's home field advantage and a little bit better. So mm-hmm. like it's a, it's leaning towards Buffalo getting or giving three is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't know where you landed on this. I know you've kind of flip-flopped back and forth yep. on this. RJ and I had disagreement on it. I just believe th- there's one weakness on the field. I, I think the Bills and the in the Dolphins both have elite offenses. I think there's one elite defense on the field. And RJ and I also disagree heavily on how good the Bills' defense is. He thinks it's like borderline top ten. I think it's easily top five. Um, but th- this is this is going to really test them certainly. But I think this Dolphins defense is the the biggest you know bad unit on the field. Yeah. And then I go to the the history here. The, the Bills have won seven straight times in Orchard Park against the Dolphins. They've won eleven of twelve at home against the Dolphins. That's just hard for me to overlook. I, I I still think the Bills are one of the two or three best teams in the league. I think the Dolphins have the best offense in the league. That does not make the best football team, though. Dolphins are an excellent teaser candidate at two and a half. So wait, quick question for you, AJ. So I agree, Bills have a good defense. Dolphins do not. Are you sure their offense is in the same class, though? Looking at EPA, Dolphins one, success rate one. Bills seven in EPA, seventh in success rate. They actually had the same success rate as the Commanders last week. Like, they had a bunch of big plays, but they weren't necessarily clicking on all cylinders. I still think they're missing, you know, another option outside of Stephon Diggs. And as good as the Bills' defense has been, they've played Sam Howell, Zach Wilson, and Jimmy G. Now they get a real test with Tua and this Dolphins offense, which is just clicking on all cylinders right now. But again, if Russell Wilson's putting up yards on you, I think Josh Allen can. But it's, it's, it was a 70-20 game. I mean, come on. The, the defense at that point, what are they doing? The game was over before it even started. They don't. I, I, that's I, what the Bills have been doing the last sure, two weeks. Sure, sure. Like, I, we're I talking about success rate for the Bills last week. It, it, was, it wasn't a game after five minutes. But you're and, saying, like, Russell Wilson putting up yards. Like, at that point, the defense is like, we're up by 50. It's like, let Russ throw the ball. Who cares? Game of the the, char- the Chargers did the same thing, though. Yeah. And it, it, I, do I think this can be the game of the yeah. year? I think it's certainly a contender. I Like, and. This game is going to tell us more than almost any game we've seen so far this year. We haven't had a lot of matchups of, like, two elite teams or teams that we consider, like, top tier. This yeah, is, I can't think of another one. This is certainly one. Ravens, Bengals. Yeah, but so this, I think this tells you like who who's really for real here. And if the Dolphins go to Buffalo and win, th- th- it would open my eyes. And I, I'll have to stop saying they're a great offense. Like I'll, I'll have to say like this is a, a really great football team. Get ready for a lot of oh Jim Tyreek's in motion <laughs> Tony 
touchdown. All right. The Broncos are at the Bears. It's a battle of 0-3 teams. The Broncos, Oof. McKenzie, favored. We're, what's the number we're looking minus at right 3. now? Minus 3.2. Better than a field goal, minus, three, minus 120. Mm. The, the most shocking number I found on this game, and – it still blows my mind. I've, I've read this stat multiple times out loud on like on our show. I read it on a, a couple radio hits. The Bears or the, the Broncos, pardon me, lost a game by 50 points. Yep. And the Bears average margin of defeat is still higher than the Broncos. <laughs> Losing by 20 points a game. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Like yep. a team in three games, one of those three games, they lost by 50 and their average margin of mm -hmm. defeat is still Less than the Bears. That's crazy to me. So our database goes back to 1989. Guess how many times you lose by 50 and you're favored the next week? Oh, I can't. I mean, this is the third time. This yeah, is the third time. Time. last time was 2009. Before that, once in Christmas, 1989. Not very often. And this is actually the biggest favorite of any team that ever lost by 50. Well, 14 times in our database, there have been 0-3 teams facing off against each other in week number four. The underdogs in those games... Eight and six ATS. Is this a uh, a flat three? Like, is it a, a, a no. minus one ten? Like minus one twenty? Wow! You get three. You get plus three even money or plus one hundred. Either way. Man, yeah. No, no one wants to bet on the Bears. Like, think about that. The Broncos lost by fifty, and people are like, "Yeah, would you take the three and a half? With the, would you take three and a half with the Bears?" I can't. I I, I can't bet on the Bears. Haven't been competitive in yeah. a single game. No. At least the Broncos. Their first two games, you were like, "Man, they could have won those games." And also, they could have won either, both and, of them. Yeah, they could be two and one and right now. Obviously, which head coach do you trust in this game? It's well, clearly Sean yeah, Payton. Which, quarter, which quarterback? Yeah, yeah like, clearly Russell. I know the Broncos have stunk. Which defense do you trust? I, even though you know neither, neither. Because the stat that I found, yeah, you're right. The Broncos had a top unit, top five unit last year. This year, they're allowing. 7.3 yards per play. I think it's embarrassing. Like the team uh, results. What happened is, uh, is, is Evero, what is the name? Yeah, the guy with the Panthers. Yeah. He's now at the Panthers, the defense coordinator. The team results have matched. They brought back Vance Joseph. But Russell Wilson played on really well. Like Russell Wilson's played well so far. Yeah, he's the top 11 quarterback in our rankings. Back-to-back 300-yard -back games. I, I would assume he'll have a th third consecutive mm -hmm. year. Um, but, yeah, I, there's no way I can back the Bears, even at a three-and-a-half. I'm actually looking at the Broncos. I mean, the Bron like, what's predictable? Offense is predictable. Broncos have been meh on offense. The Bears have had the worst offense, worst defense. Like, they're only, it's only field goal here. The fans are going to be booing early. I'm yeah. actually looking at betting the Broncos. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, the Ravens are at the Browns. This could be another one of those games of the week. It's the division rivalry. It's, it might be sloppy. What are we seeing for the line here in this one, McKenzie? Browns are up to three, three even money. Yeah, so we uh, at the contest took it at two and a half because we felt that was a gift considering where we expected the line to move, and we are seeing threes across the board? Yes. Can't, can't find a two and a half. Yeah. So I still believe in, in the Browns in this one. I know the Ravens have an incredible record as an underdog, but I'll go back to what I mentioned on the Dream Pod this week, and that's that last week without uh, Nick Chubb, and I think this is important, without Nick Chubb, the Browns ran 43 shotgun snaps out of the 67 total snaps on offense. So think about How many that. shotgun snaps? 43. Wow. 43 wow. out of 67. It's clear that the Sean Watson is more comfortable out of the shotgun. But when you have Nick Chubb, you run your offense through him, so it's more effective to be under center yeah. to run those handoff running plays, whether it's a counter, whatever you're running, you have a limited running playbook out of the shotgun. So you line 
your quarterback under center for the running plays and the play action plays. And that, if especially if it's a play action, it doesn't allow enough time for Deshaun Watson to analyze the defense. When he's in the shotgun, he's already staring at the defense, and then he drops back into his stance, and he has been looking at them the whole time. He has proven that he is much more comfortable and more successful out of the shotgun. And I think if we see a similar play split like we did last week against the Ravens, you're going to see what you saw last week, which was the best Deshaun Watson on the Cleveland Browns. Well, and if you're pairing that with what I think is the best defense in the NFL, teams are in trouble. Uh, if, you, if Deshaun Watson returns to Texans form and you pair that with this defense, the Browns are a, a Super Bowl contender. Uh, they, they're going up against another offensive line like they did last week that's banged up, and they assaulted Ryan Tannehill. Hmm. Uh, Lamar, this new system for Lamar, one of the negatives to it is he's holding the ball a little bit longer. He's trying to hang in that pocket a little bit longer. He is 32nd out of 34 qualified in passer rating when under pressure this season. The Browns are going to put him under pressure. I, I, I like Cleveland quite a bit here. The Bengals are at the Titans. McKenzie, what's the line here in Nashville? Bengals are two and a half point favorites. Yeah, I like the Titans. This was one. This was my second best bet on the pod. Uh, I, I think that Cleveland's defense is going to make a lot of teams look really bad, like they did Tennessee. But I I love Mike Vrabel coming off an embarrassing loss and then being put in the position of being a home dog. He's like Mike Tomlin. He's one of those coaches who, he, when everybody's against him, that's when he plays. The, he gets his guys playing the best. Joe Burrow still is not right. And we did the math on this on the Dream Pod on Wednesday night. Tennis or the Bengals were minus two and a half hosting the Rams. The, and now they're minus two and a half at Tennessee. Like that's saying the Rams are worlds better than Tennessee, and that's just not the case. They're almost even teams. This this is a either saying Joe Burrow is healthy, which I've seen with my own eyes, he is absolutely not. Or this is saying the Titans are just a garbage football team, and I just I don't think I can throw them in the trash yet. Well, for the first time since aggravating his calf, yesterday Joe Burrow was a full, not limited, a full participant in practice. Did you see anything in that game that made you no. go, yep, there's no. the Joey Burrow I know? No, not even close. I didn't see he anything like off. that. He still looks off. The Rams are at the Colts. I've seen it go both ways, McKenzie. One for the Rams, one for the Colts. What are we across the board here? We got a pick em game there, Joe. Yeah, pick em game between the Rams and the Colts in Indy. And I do believe that we will have Anthony Richardson back at quarterback for Indianapolis. I think we can agree that both these teams are a little better than we thought they were going to be. I mean, at least in, at least through three games. These teams are competing more. I mean, the Colts have won two road games uh, these uh, two teams that we could have seen easily being bottom five in the league, I, I don't think either of them are. Uh, Rams have been a lot better against the pass than the run, so if Richardson plays, I, I think the Colts have a little bit of an advantage. Uh, and the Rams' offensive line issues just kind of got exposed against Cincinnati. They got Stafford sacked six times in that game. Colts second in the league in sacks, so they could do a, a similar thing, I feel. Yeah, Quentin Nelson did not practice. I don't think that that is a big deal. I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, Puka for the Rams, was a limited participant in practice. He's been dealing with an oblique injury. But I, I think Tutu's been nice, too, a nice compliment. And the Rams are hoping that next week they'll get Cooper Cup back. So imagine that. Uh, Puka, Cooper, and Tutu. Tutu Puka Cup? Or, or <laughs> Puka Tutu Cup? Yeah, yeah. Or Tutu Puka Cup? Two poos, one cup? <laughs> <laughs> 
tutus. <laughs> All right, the Bucks are at the Saints. Mackenzie, where are we on New Orleans here? Saints are better than a field goal. This is almost back to three and a half, which was the look-ahead line. Minus three, minus 120. Man, it's surprising considering they don't have their quarterback. Well, do we know that for sure? I mean, question. I don't think there is certainty yet, but I mean, again, the Saints signing a, a quarterback off off the streets. Yeah, and, and Derek Carr looks... still not practicing. So even though you can talk a big game, but he's still not practicing. Jameis Winston uh, is you know running the offense. I, my matchup stuff likes the the Saints here. Like I, I feel like this is a, a good game for the Saints. But the numbers for Alvin J- Kamara's back. The numbers for Jameis as a favorite, and Dennis Allen as a favorite, and Dennis Allen in in, in General. division are just dreadful. Four and ten ATS's favorites under Allen, one and six ATS in division under Allen, and Jameis eight nineteen and one as a favorite. Those aren't trends I'm willing to buck. Those are all way too lopsided for me to get in the way of them. So I want to bet the Saints here, but I'm not going to. All right, we move on to the Commanders at the Eagles, Mackenzie. Before the season started, I know, I know. Two points of line value. The Eagles off the key number seven. Are you saying two points now? It's gone up from eight. Yes, it's nine. There's some nine, nine, nine and a half at Bookmaker, the biggest book in the world. Wow, wow! <laughs> Look how happy this guy is with his two and a half points of closing line value. It's great. I hope the Commanders win outright. Just, just, just because you know that's not happening. No, I might uh, even the Eagles, Eagles are going to blow them yeah. out here. Um, it's a good matchup. Uh, yeah, it's, I think the Eagles last week they. Yeah, everyone, so it's, it's funny. Everyone keeps saying the Eagles don't look right. Well, last week, Jalen Hurts played with flu-like symptoms. You had other players, Kelsey, talking about the uh, guys were under the weather. And yet all they did was just win by double digits and cruise to a cover. Now, you give them a week now, maybe a little healthier, and, and they're playing the commanders who have been above their heads the past couple of weeks and then finally get brought back down to earth by the Buffalo Bills at home. I think the Eagles roll over the commanders. I tend to think so, too. The Eagles are going to take away Brian Robinson, who's been the, the best offensive I'm weapon. I'm benching him in fantasy. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles are just so good against the run. And that means you're saying Sam Howell's got to do this. And I saw last week Sam Howell try to try to win a game, and it was almost comical. So in the commander's defense, which was thought to be their strength coming into the season, is clearly just – if we're being generous, it's average. So I, the, the Eagles – made me feel good about the Eagles last week for the first time this season. I Like, watching them, I went, that's the team that we thought they were going to be. Uh, it feels like they've maybe turned a corner, so I, it's Eagles or nothing for me. Eagles number one against the run by EPA, and they've been up by 16 points in each of their three games. I feel like they're going to get up 16 points, and Sam Howell is going to look like Sam Howell like he did against the Bills. You know what's interesting is I was looking at some stats uh, that talk about what teams do in the second half of games based on their winning percentage. And so I looked at the run rates for teams that were below 25% win percentage, meaning like you should be throwing, but like you're still running the football. Yeah. Uh, newsflash, the Falcons are second highest in the league in that where they're 20, less than 25% win percentage in the second half, yet they're still running the football. Yep. The Cowboys are number one, but that was one game. Yeah. Luke. I, I don't know. But looking at it from the other side, teams that pass – when their winning percentage is 75% or higher. That's the Bills for sure. Bills are number one. <laughs> number two. It's the safest play they got. Number two, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, that sounds about right. And number three, the Philadelphia Eagles. That's surprising given like what our like what our uh, our predetermined thoughts are about what the Eagles were. We also assume. And they've run, run for 200 team. yards in yeah. the last two games. And they've been up by 20 points in the last two games. But they run when they're tied. And they run when they're behind. They, and they, they have the same rate. 
Either way. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts pulls it back and passes the ball on an RPO when they're ahead. So uh, the rates rates speak for themselves. Let's go to the Vikings at the Panthers. McKenzie, what's the line? The Vikings are up to four-and-a-half-point favorite in some spots. Four and a half. Yeah. Oh, they're going to make me bet on the freaking Panthers. You know what's interesting? Is this, is <laughs> this, terrible. They're daring you. Yeah, this, it was three on Monday. Is this move because Bryce Young is playing? And so because of Bryce Young being back at practice, the market goes against the Panthers? I mean, I, I think this is just people thinking the Panthers stink and people like, I've heard you guys talk about this. Like, are the Vikings the best three or zero and three team ever? Like, I think people still think this Vikings team is good. You look back to last season, you go, "Hey, they won a bunch of games. They can't be that bad." And I, I don't know. Isn't that amazing though? The starting quarterback's back, and the market goes against you. Oh yeah, I think it went from three to four because the Vikings are good and the Panthers suck. I think it went to four and a half because people think they're even worse with Bryce Young. With Bryce Young, I, I think you're probably and, and they're banged up on defense. Xavier Woods, uh, he did not practice. Uh, he's their safety. He's expected to miss a couple of weeks. They already ha- are, they're already down a couple of defenders. So I, I think Minnesota gets their first win of the season. I, I'm pretty confident in saying that. We go. To- do they do they cover four and a half though? That's a, all the Vikings do is play field goal games. Yeah, right. Kirk Cousins dominating, leading the league in passing, and Justin Jefferson leading the league in receiving. Jefferson frustrated that there's so many questions or so many comments about trading Kirk Cousins. Well, how about win a game, Justin? <laughs> well, guess what they're going to do. Okay, they're going to we'll win. See. Steelers are at the Texans. Where are we, McKenzie? The Steelers are now less than a field goal favorite, minus two and a half. That makes sense. I, it felt like Steelers were the sharp side, or excuse me, the Texans were the sharp side, and everybody was talking about yep. it. It's Diamond Dave gave that out in the pod. Um, I mean, this Steelers team could easily be 0-3. Like they probably should have lost to the Browns. If Jimmy G and Josh McDaniels weren't both concussed, maybe they lose to the Raiders. I don't know, but I just don't like the Steelers as favorites. Yeah, because I can't trust them to score a point. I, I think their offense is just dreadful. So I, I want nothing to do with laying points with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Texans are playing with confidence. They got their first win last week. C.J. Stroud is playing better than anybody could have imagined. He's setting all types of rookie records. He's thrown for over 900 yards. He hasn't thrown an interception yet. And I, I look at Kenny Pickett, who has not performed well. We look at our composite rankings, and he is tied for 31st amongst quarterbacks this season. And they can't run the ball. The Steelers. Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, is getting all sorts of criticism. I just think the Texans defensively, D'Amico Ryans will have them fired up for this game at home. Plus, the Steelers, second straight road game, historically not a good spot for them under Mike Tomlin. Well, Mike Tomlin, as a road favorite of three or more, what was the percentage, McKenzie? Was it 30% or something? Yeah, you're 62% fading them in that spot. I mean, that's wild. So uh, 65%, sorry. Here's the deal, though. This is why I'm not running to bet the Texans, especially now that there's not a three they've played one team that's got a good pass rush and see that was the Colts and they sat CJ they sacked CJ Stroud six mm. times how this ragtag offensive line is going to hold up against TJ Watt and company is a little bit concerning to me I think the unders to look here I, I, I mean this is a dominant defensive front going against a bad offensive line for the Texans and the Steelers I mean I want to bet them under every single week so this feels like a, a nice spot to bet an under 42 and a half Yep, makes sense to me. Let's move on to the Vegas Raiders at the L.A. Chargers. And the Chargers are favored by how much, McKenzie? Interesting. It's minus five. Does that mean Jimmy G is going to play? I mean, five was the look-ahead line. Jimmy G did not practice. So I I like the Chargers here with 
against Aiden. Aiden. Uh, no, it'll be Hoyer Brian, Hoy- Brian yeah, Hoyer's yeah. taking the first team reps, mm-hmm. which shocks me. We all talked during the preseason, like, man, Aiden O'Connell looks like Are he's got sure some he's game. Taking the reps, or maybe he's holding the clipboard, telling the guys to play because he's like. The That's coach a good question. Yeah, you might be right, but. Yeah, this is uh But th- now here's the thing. I think the line might have moved because if you look at the injury report for the Chargers for like, at least Wednesday's practice, mm-hmm. uh Bosa, Gerald Everett, Derwin James, Corey Lindsley all didn't practice. And Eckler Eckler is coming back. But let's mm. let's see if we can get an updated uh practice report here because some of those guys just being limited could be rest, could just be dealing with nagging injuries. And I don't think anyone's at risk of not playing. So I don't know why the line would go in favor of I mean, we know it's going to be a Raiders crowd. Yeah. Raiders off a loss. I still don't I don't think it all adds up to being the just only, a touchdown. The only concern is... Bosa, Bosa did not practice again. Okay. The, the, That's a point. The Chargers, like the Vikings, tend to play these three-point games. And so yeah. it's hard laying a number outside of a field goal with the Chargers because they they find a way to make games way more interesting than they should be. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what's going on with Joey Bosa. Two straight non-practices, so... Uh, I don't think Joey Bosa's been practicing much at all this season, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go back and check, but I think Joey Bosa's been kind of a... Um, a veteran rest guy. And we wonder why the L.A. teams always lose close games. Right? Yeah. Soft. Freaking practice, bro. So soft. Uh, Patriots are at the Cowboys. How high are the Cowboys favored, McKenzie? Keeps ticking down. It's minus six and a half only. So the Sharps coming in on New England. That's yep. all I got to say. The Sharps love the Patriots. And if, I think the I think. This but what line, about Scott Seidenberg? Well, I think this line can move. <laughs> oh, the Patriots stink. They, they, they make a distinction there. Yeah, they stink. Uh, <laughs> Mac Jones doesn't cover. The Patriots don't cover. Um, I just think this could be a covered pros, last week, baby. Pros. They had one play. Hey, they one covered long one busted coverage play. Pros uh, versus Joes, and, and who you got? Yes. Uh, to me, I would lean the Cowboys. I'm worried about the Cowboys' injuries, though. What's going on with uh, Tyron Smith and Zach Martin? Um, uh, New England's offense, 22nd in EPA per play through the the three games against, like, you know, I guess the Jets are the best defense that they played in this one. But they're 1-6 against the spread in their last seven games. They just they don't cover. They're not a good football. I mean, they're, they're an okay football team with an incredible head coach that just masks how mediocre they are. No, I think that's true. But I think maybe the Cowboys aren't as good as we thought they were either. Yeah, because, they, well, they haven't played anybody. They put up 70 points in the first two weeks. And I don't think their offense is that good. I mean, we you talk about they had multiple turnovers, including a pick six. I think they had seven turnovers in the first uh, two games, including a pick six and a block field goal for a touchdown. Their offense, the best offensive showing they had was last week against Arizona, and they lost. This is uh, the reason why I kind and I don't. If it's not seven, I'm probably not playing the Patriots here. But it just feels like the Cowboys are a little bit overrated, and I think we need to look back at what. New England did against Philly and what they did against Miami, certainly in hindsight, those defensive performances are pretty impressive. Sure. Yeah. So and it, New England's defense is for real. Uh, but also the play calling for the Cowboys, especially in the red zone, has been atrocious. I wonder if there's a shift with all the criticism coming their way. I wonder if there's a shift and we see them open it up a little bit. What's the total on this game right now? 43 and a half. I mean, if I'm saying I don't like the Cowboys offense – I always say I don't like the Patriots' offense. We think the Cowboys have a great defense. We think the Patriots have a great. Mm-hmm. De- why? Why aren't we under forty three? Only and a half. point lower than you know the average total. I gotta say, summer line was minus three and a half here. You talk about the Cowboys being overrated. Just knee jerk, I thought this should have been a touchdown, but 
I don't think net net they're a three and a half or a three point upgrade from the summer line. I don't think so either. Patriots have not played that bad. I can just see the Cowboys opening up the plays and being a little bit more aggressive down the field as opposed to what we've seen so far with McCarthy calling the plays. And I worry that Dak's going to hit a couple of big shots and the Cowboys actually do put up a big number in this. I game. mean, even the, the Dolphins weren't really hitting chunk plays yeah. against him. I mean, the Dolphins' offense is so much better than against this the Dallas Patriots, offense. Yeah. 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 That's that's true. Well, we'll see. But, you know, those were also in New England. Yeah, this one, that is true. This one's on the turf in Jerry's world. Uh, the Cowboys are at the 49ers. Uh, excuse me. The Cardinals are at the 49ers in the highest spread. of. We might as well talk about 49ers-Cowboys next week. It's minus three and a half line reopened up. Uh, 49ers are a point better than the Cowboys. But in this game, I guess we'll get it out the way. Got to say the 49ers dominate. I mean, I never felt more confident about a win. I, really? I agree with you. I, I can't agree. imagine. I can't. Like, what, when else? When? What other so, game? The, the, you hurt my feelings earlier in the week. I came to you with my. My, my opinion's changed. We okay. talked about it. We talked know? it through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I said, I, I brought it to McKenzie. I said, McKenzie, I'm thinking about putting San Francisco minus 14 on my uh, plays. What do you think? And he's like. You don't make much money betting 14-point favorites. It's still true. It's still true because it always feels so easy, and it's not always that easy. We look at the Cowboys last week this when they one, were laying this one over is a touchdown. Easy because here's what's going to happen. The public looks at this game, and they're going to say, oh, my goodness, 14 points, and the Cardinals just beat the Cowboys? Like, this is a gift. We have to take this. The 49ers have won 11 of their last 16 home games by 15 or more points. And then we ran the query in our database, McKenzie. If yep. you won as a 10-digit dog last week, you are 39-68-3 against the spread the following week. But now if you are a double-digit dog again, it's only happened five times, one in four against the spread, but those four losses. Yeah, what's the margin? 5.5. They're getting blown out. So you're already. You're losing by 20 points again. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're getting blown out in the following game. Let's do a quick exercise. You just said something about next week's line. Mm-hmm. Which on the Cowboys Niners, you said the, the the Niners are. What's the difference between the Niners and the Cowboys according uh, to the market? It's minus three and a half, minus three point three, two point home. I'd say they're saying a point and a half better the 49ers versus the Cowboys. Okay, well the Cowboys last week were at Arizona minus thirteen. Right. So I've much got of the week, yeah. I've got a team now that's a point and a half better, and they're at home, and I only have to give up one point. And 14 seems like a key number. It actually doesn't come up that often. No. I I like the Niners here. Brock Purdy's been so dominant at home, too. 7-0 ATS at home. Average win margin has been 16 points per mm-hmm. game. And that's, like, that's not against crummy teams. That's two playoff games. That's against Tom Brady. He's blowing out everybody at home. I, I like them quite a bit here. Chiefs are at the Jets. Sunday night football. Kansas City. This line goes up. It goes down. Where are we now, McKenzie? Chiefs minus eight and a half. Eight gone and down. Half. So it's what? gone down. Oh my yep. God, why? Well, like who's going to who's going to the ATM, taking out money, giving it to someone and <laughs> saying, I want Zach Wilson. I mean Listen, I don't I know who... the hardest bets to make are often the <laughs> right? best. AJ, I don't I'm care not making who's that bet. doing it. I just want to thank them for making the Chiefs teaser eligible. Oh, <laughs> you're right. Oh by my dropping God. them to eight and a half. Uh we know Taylor Swift will be in attendance. Oh, uh, yeah. We have confirmation The money should be coming the other way then. Travis Kelsey props through the roof, right? Yeah, has to be. Boy, the sports books are going to Just make give me the anytime touchdown. They're going to make you pay. It's going to be like minus 350 for the anytime <laughs> touchdown. Actually, I want to look at it right now and see if it's up. Because they're going to make, they're going to, it's the it's the Boy, Taylor Swift tax. Let's guess what it's going to be. Because it's not going to be minus 350. That would be no, ridiculous. I think it's going to be minus 175. I can't. I'm going to say. For a tight end to score say, a touchdown, plus, he doesn't score 17 a game. 17 a season. 
I'm going to say plus 135 if there's any any kind of sanity in the world. Minus 135. Oh, my God. What are they doing to us? Yeah. Minus yeah. 135. I will not How many times has he scored 17 touchdowns? I will not be playing. Any, and this is against the best defense, one of the best defenses, supposedly. So, yeah, I won't be playing in any time touchdown prop. No, thank you. Yeah. He scored 12 touchdowns last year. That was his career high. Yeah, I'll still play it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm R.J. Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas, and they got a water bottle, and they got, like, a celery chopped up. And let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect, is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1, and all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well... I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. There is some college football to be played tonight. So we'll go over that before we get into some of the bigger matchups of the weekend. But uh, let's start with what happened last night. We'll, just, we'll mention that Western Kentucky got us to the window. Best Scott, bet. yeah, Scott was confident in Western Kentucky. I liked Western Kentucky, and no problems. Uh, Temple, they had problems against <laughs> Tulsa. Forty-eight twenty-six loss there, and Sam Houston and Jacksonville State go to overtime. Sam Houston put up. 14 points in the first quarter. That was more than their first three games combined, but they still lose, and Jacksonville State, minus six and a half, gets to the window in overtime as Jacksonville State wins by seven. Let's take a look at tonight's card. Louisville is at NC State. I like this Louisville team a lot. I think they've really found something uh, offensively. Jack Plummer's starting to figure out this Brom offense. It's starting to hum a little bit. And North Carolina State, man, I thought that there was not going to be much drop-off from Devin Leary to Brennan Armstrong. Mm. I was wrong. This is this is not a good offense. Well, they also can't block for anybody. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a big problem. <laughs> if, you're gonna, if your quarterback's going to get hit, and it's going to lead to turnovers possibly, and I think that's where, like, the difference in this game could come from. Like, a couple of sacks here and there, but forcing turnovers – for Louisville, I think could be the big the, the bigger factor in this one. I like their havoc on defense as opposed to the blocking ability for uh, NC State. Well, let's talk about the game of the night with Utah headed to Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the latest that you've seen as far as Cam Rising's availability for yeah, tonight? It looks like it's going to be Nate Johnson starting tonight. Um, and it, it makes sense. They're on a short week. And also, Utah has an open week before playing Cal. So it gives extra time for Cam Rising to be cleared. So get through this game with Nate Johnson at quarterback. Then you have a week off. 
then by the time you play Cal, it's like your warm-up game for Cam Rising before you go to USC and Oregon in back-to-back weeks where you're going to need to be at full strength. But if you lose this game against Oregon State, tough road game, like does it really matter when Cam Rising comes back now? Or well, Yeah, I mean, listen, you can still have one loss and go to the Pac-12 championship game. Well, yeah. The top two teams go to the Pac-12 championship game. I mean, look, obviously they're trying to – I still think they can win with Nate Johnson. I like Utah getting north of a field goal here. I do. I, I still think that they're a very good football team. Defensively, they are elite. Last week's game, people want to say, oh, you know, boring. They almost lost to UCLA. I don't think they were ever in danger of losing that football game because UCLA's offense didn't do anything until late in the fourth quarter. Utah played that game as conservatively as you can play because they knew that their defense was not allowing Dante Moore and UCLA to do anything against them. The best player on the Utah team was Jack Bomeister, the punter. And so they're going to play a defensive style. I know they're so much better at home than they are on the road, and going to Corvallis is much different than playing at home. But am I really that concerned about a, a Oregon State team that gave up 35 points to Washington State last week that couldn't stop a nosebleed? Granted, that they put up some points on their own, but DJ didn't look great. It was the running game that did everything for them last week. Let's look at, well, the, the road game is what worries me. I'm, I'm not a fan of Utah on the road. Mm-hmm. They almost lost to a Baylor team that now, like a loss to Baylor, in hindsight, looks like it, it would have been a disaster. They lost to a Florida team last year that ended up not being any good. I, I just worry that they're not the same team. But if there's rain in the forecast tonight, does that benefit? Or well, I mean, I guess it benefits both teams. Both sure. teams want to run the football, but... I trust the Utah defense more than I trust the Oregon State defense. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know that I feel that way. And I certainly think that that Oregon State has an advantage at quarterback as long as Cam Rising's not playing. Here's the Corvallis weather for tonight. If we go uh, hourly, let's see. It says AM showers, so the the the, the rain might go away by tonight. Uh, Louisiana Tech at UTEP. Woof. This is a game. It's an even spread. Uh, these are two evenly terrible teams. Uh, you have a take one way or the other on this one? No, but I'd probably lean towards the over just because both of these teams are averaging, you know, uh, UTEP over 350 yards of offense per game. Louisiana Tech almost 400 yards of offense per game. And uh, Hank Bachmeyer from his days, uh, we know him from his days at Boise State, a very capable quarterback, hasn't done much this season, but you know, give me two touchdowns. Give me 250 yards in this game. I think we see over 50 points in El Paso. BYU against Cincinnati. BYU is catching a point and a half point, depending on where you go. Uh, BYU has been throwing it around. Keaton Slovis. Yeah, he's, he's looked good so far. But um, And Cincinnati defensively has given up a lot of big plays, which is worrisome for me. I, I lean to BYU here. Don't think I'm going to have a play on this thing. But Cincinnati, again, an- another team I don't like on offense. Uh, I, I, maybe it's turned into a heavy lean against uh, or on BYU. Uh, I like BYU. I think last week Cincinnati gave it their all, especially defensively against Oklahoma. They were at home. It was their big 12 opener, right? It was an emotional game. It was a big game for them. Emory Jones just doesn't do it for me. He's terrible. He's not a good passing quarterback. Like, yeah, he can do it with his legs, but he makes too many mistakes passing the football. He turns the football over too much, and BYU can capitalize off those turnovers. If you're going to give BYU short field, they don't need it, but they'll 
gladly take advantage of it. I like BYU at home here. All right, let's take a look at a handful of the big games that are going to be played this weekend in college football. If you want to hear about all the top 25 games, you can head on over to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Find the College Football Week 5 episode where we go through every game in the top 25 and some more. So that's available. It's out there. It's free on the Internet. You can just go listen to it just like that. But for now, we'll hit a couple of the big games, and we'll start with the biggest game, the biggest game in the history of time, Coach Prime. 22 points you're given to Coach Prime. How dare you? At home, USC minus 22 at Colorado. I'll be honest. I have not bet Colorado once this year. Mm-hmm. I've only bet against them once, and I was right. I kind of want to back Colorado here. I think they can have some success offensively against this USC team, but a USC is just going to be unstoppable as well. This feels like a, a, a game where everybody's scoring. Uh, it's hard to bet totals in the mid-70s over, but that's the only way I'd look in this game, I think. What Does the early start time bother you? Do you think these teams come out groggy and sluggish? This is a 9 a.m. Pacific time start, yeah, which uh, is very rare from what the teams are, are used to used to doing. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I, I just always assumed because... No, this is the Fox big noon kickoff. So, yeah, they're doing it at, at noon Eastern time. I didn't realize that almost every... Like, every East Coast team and Central time zone team, it's normal to have a noon kickoff. Mountain time zone and Pacific time zone teams almost never have early kickoffs. Well, they can have a noon kickoff, but not a 9 a.m. kickoff. Well, I'm talking yeah, yeah. noon Eastern. Yes, like, yes. Uh, it's in, the the college football day starts at 11 a.m. Yeah, yeah. in Central Time. Yep. And there's no college football games that get played at the 10 a.m. window in Mountain Time or the 9 a.m. window mm-hmm. out here on the West Coast. So it's I didn't realize that that just doesn't happen. So this is a rare thing. Of course, it'll be 10 o'clock local time in Colorado. Um, yeah, that does worry me a little bit. Maybe under 73 and a half is the play. I, I'm not, God, under I'm, first half? Under first it, quarter. First quarter first I can quarter. get to. Okay. My God, I like I just don't you imagine how dumb you'll feel if this is like an eighty to sixty game. Yeah. And you're like the hardest bets to make. Man, AJ. my damn under ticket I just think maybe, didn't come through. I think because I think it's like the people who bet the under on the Dolphins game last week. Like you yeah. feel so dumb. Well, I had Miami minus fifty one and I lost. Oh uh, that's, a, that's a brutal beat. That that would be that's an old Warner Wolf. Remember the old famous sportscaster Warner Wolf? He would make those jokes. So like if if you saw that the Dolphins won by 50. He'd be like, if you had Miami minus 51, you lost. <laughs> like, that was his uh, his shtick. Uh, I think maybe Colorado early. Colorado in the first half to cover the spread. Because this way, you kind of cover your ass a little bit. If it is a low-scoring first half because everyone's sluggish and they're not awake yet, they're going to cover. Yeah. And if it's off- if you think that Colorado's going to score on USC's defense, then they're going to cover. How much... I'll ask both you guys this. I'm curious both of your thoughts because I don't think this is there's I don't think there's any way we can know this for sure. How do you think Colorado handles losing? They they start out three and personal. Everybody's excited. I mean, they're the toast of the town. Everybody's buzzing about them. And then they lose. Mm-hmm. And there's two ways to respond to that. You either, hey, let's get back to what we were doing, or you do like what Ronda Rousey did, and like your entire identity is built around. Yeah we are this, this team that everybody's against and we keep winning. And then when you lose, it's like, oh, you're just another team. How do you think Colorado responds? We don't know yet. We're going to find out. Mac, you have a feel? 
Obviously, they didn't respond last week after the Colorado State narrow defeat. I would have thought Colorado State played a close game. I would have thought Colorado came out and was like, you know what, we got to fight our asses off. And maybe they did. Nah, the They're just not that good. For them. They're just not that good. The environment was too big for them. Returning home will be better. Uh, by the way, the first quarter, total 17 and a half. Can be under 17 and a half first quarter. All right. Uh, to answer your question, I'm, I'm not very sure that they're that, that uh, good. Like, <laughs> it's kind of where I'm at. You know, yeah. the last two games, they were, play, they were facing Colorado State, and it was like offensive line, defensive line. I forget who said it. Some college football coach was on the herd. It's just not close compared to the best teams. No, and that's what the reason why I loved Oregon last week is because Oregon's offensive line was going to have a field day with the defensive front seven for Colorado. They're all, they're all undersized compared to Oregon's offensive line. And, and Bo Nix had all day to do whatever he wanted to. All right, let's talk Kansas at Texas. Kansas plus 16 and a half. Oh, am, I, am I begging for hurt if I take Kansas? You might be. Am I a glutton for punishment for buying into this team? I think when you look at who Kansas has played so far and you see Illinois, who we've discussed off air, we both think stink, Nevada. And the, at Nevada, Kansas won 31 to 24. That's not a good data point. You're not supposed to win that game by seven points. Nevada is one of the three or four worst teams in the country. Uh, and then they, they, they let BYU score 27. I worry that defensively, this Kansas team has some problems and they haven't really seen a top tier offense yet. Yeah. And Quinn Ewers could just eat their heads. If anything, I'm going to look at a first half on Texas. Uh, I, 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 can see Texas saying, you know what? Let's get ready for this this Red River game. Uh, we'll just get the win, get out of here. But I do think they jump on them early. I think Kansas gets a little shell shocked seeing the first really good team that they've seen all season. Yeah, I wish it was seventeen and a half. I know key numbers aren't as big in college football, but I felt like just get, maybe getting over seventeen would be better. Um, so six and sixteen and a half, not exactly as appealing to me. I don't have a play on this game, but I would lean to Kansas, and I'd probably be like holding, you know. Biting my shirt and holding my breath in the fourth <laughs> quarter as Texas, you know, pulls away. And if you go back, it, it, this is one thing I, I looked up about Texas. Like, I, I thought, man, Texas with look ahead, I don't, I don't know if I want to. They keep covering with look ahead uh, to Oklahoma. It doesn't seem to matter to them. And then last year when they played Texas, this it was at home. Texas beat them 55 to 14. And that was mm. that was a much lesser Texas team than the one that's going to be showing up uh, in Austin on Saturday. Uh, let's look at LSU at Ole Miss. LSU minus two and a half on the road. And I'll say this. Ole Miss's offense hasn't been as good as I thought it would be. They um, they were leading at halftime against Alabama, and then they kind of melted. But LSU's defense is downright bad. They're outside the top 100 in almost every defensive metric which is shocking to me mm-hmm. that a guy, a team that has Harold Perkins on it can be that bad defensively, but they are. We haven't really seen this Ole Miss offense explode yet. This might be a good opportunity for them. I like the Rebs here against LSU. Uh, coming off of a loss to Alabama, it seems like a good bounce back spot for them at home here against LSU. Uh, you know, you look at their, you look at the schedule, and you're like, you know, they're still, they can still be in a position to get themselves up the SEC West standings. You win this game against LSU, you give them a loss, you have the tiebreaker, and then, you know, I don't know what Alabama's going to do. Alabama's, they're not as good as they were last year. What if Alabama loses to LSU? 
What if Alabama loses to Tennessee? Yep. You know, it, it, it's. I understand you lost to Alabama, and that stinks, but there is a chance, and I think Lane Kiffin has to t- tell his kids they're not dead yet. And I think that they'll come out and they'll fight in this game. Home dream, te- the dream crusher scenario doesn't come into play just yet. Whoever loses this game is their dreams crushed. No, not well. If Ole Miss loses, they're not. They have no chance to go to the SEC championship game. Right. If LSU loses, they have yeah. a chance. They could still beat Alabama and force yeah. that whole three-way tie scenario in the West. Yeah. So there's a chance. So I think Ole Miss needs the game more. They're at home playing with more desperation. Home team in this matchup, eight and two in the last ten straight up. Nine and one in the last 10 ATS. Uh, and Ole Miss has won eight of their last 10 SEC home games as well. They are a home dog here. I like Ole Miss. Uh, Notre Dame, minus five and a half at Duke. How do we see Notre Dame respond after a tough loss uh, against Ohio State? It's deflating, huh? Yeah, I mean, and, and that that final drive was really impressive by Kyle McCord. But also, what was impressive was the way the Notre Dame defense played the entire game. Uh, but also, Duke has not been in a fight this entire season, and they played Clemson, and they still have not been in a fight the entire season. And that, listen, that win over Clemson is really nice. They got beat in the stats in that game, so it, like mm-hmm. it's a win, but they got outstatted in that game pretty handily. Uh, and I think when you look at this Notre Dame team who has no wiggle room anymore, you talk about being desperate. Yep. Like, if Freeman loses this game, oh, man. Like, things could unravel quickly on them. Um, I, I think he really needs to make a statement after that loss. So, I, I lean to Notre Dame here. I don't think I'll have a play, but I, 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 I'm not going to fade Notre Dame right here. Sam Hartman played Duke last season, first game of the year at Duke. So the place where he's going to play uh, this weekend, 26 of 42 passing for 347 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, nine carries for 25 yards. Wake Forest did lose that game, but uh, the Mike Elko defense does have experience against Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman has experience against the Mike Elko defense. Looking to clinch a postseason spot and eliminate our San Diego Padres, the Marlins took a one-run lead over the Mets in the top of the ninth inning after trailing 1-0, only to see the skies open up and torrential downpour, causing a three-plus-hour rain delay. Ultimately, at about 1 o'clock in the morning last night, Eastern time, Major League Baseball called the game. Well, they suspended the game. So it's 2-1 to one Marlins with two outs in the top of the ninth inning. Here's the, here's the deal. Here's the scenario that, that's going to play out. Right now, the Marlins are currently in the wild card picture. They are, they are the third wild card. They're a half game up on the Chicago Cubs who got swept by the Atlanta Braves. The Reds are one and a half games back. The Padres are three and a half games back. The only chance the Padres have is if they win out and the Marlins and Cubs both lose out. So we can eliminate the Padres right now. Although stranger things have happened, but we can eliminate the Padres right now. If the game against the Mets is needed for postseason for a postseason berth, then the Marlins on Monday will travel to New York and resume the game at 110 Eastern time. There will be two outs, 
in the top of the ninth inning that will have to play the final four outs of the game. If the game is not needed, so if the Marlins have already clinched a playoff spot by that point, by Sunday afternoon, well, then the game reverts back to rule 702B4A, Mets win one nothing, Because the rule says it that would it would back revert to back inning. to the last completed inning, which was the eighth inning. The Mets would win one nothing. So these next three games for the Marlins will determine whether or not they have to travel to New York on Monday to resume the game against the Mets. The Marlins face the Phillies for three games at home in Miami. And the, or excuse me, the, the Mets play the Phillies. The Phillies don't need that game. The Marlins are in Pittsburgh to face the Pirates. They need to win games. This first game tonight worries me. Because you stayed, the delay, you stayed in New York until 1 a.m. Who knows what time they got on the flight? Who knows what time they land in Pittsburgh? And then get to the hotel, take a nap, do whatever you got to do, and get to the ballpark. Very awkward situation tonight. But, hey, they need to win. If they somehow maybe lose all three games to the Pirates or lose two of three, then imagine a scenario where the Marlins have to go from Pittsburgh to New York and then from New York to Milwaukee to play the Brewers for the wild card series as yeah, the third wild card. to imagine. Or, like, what if they win and then they need it for, like, the, the jockeying position between yeah. the second wild card and the third wild card, and then it's, the, you know, then it's like, oh, well, well, I guess that would be easy for them because then they can go to New York, win that game, and then go to Philadelphia to play the Phillies. Uh, it's just, it's a whole mess of a situation. I think, I don't know what could have been different. The Mets already screwed them earlier by by delaying a game and then having a doubleheader. And Buck Showalter said all the right things after the game that, you know, the, the, you have to have sympathy, but, like, we're trying to do what's best here. We're trying to win a game. Like, you know, we like, we played. The grounds crew did the best they could. The rain's not stopping. What do you want us to do? You have a game tonight. You want us to keep playing? So that's the scenario right now. Let's look at the standings as we head into the final weekend of the Major League Baseball season. Orioles, three games up on the Tampa Bay Rays. Congratulations. AL East champions. AL East champions. 100 wins. 100 wins. Congrats to the Baltimore Orioles. What'd you say, Mac? First time since 1981? 1980. 1980. 1980? Man. That's amazing, right? And they are the number one seed in the American League. The number one seed in the National League is the Atlanta Braves. Congratulations. By virtue of their winning streak, they are the number one seed in the National League. The AL West still up for grabs. <laughs> what a wild one tonight. The Rangers lose. The Mariners come from behind, walk it off in the ninth inning against the Rangers. Araldus yep. Chapman last night comes into the bottom of the ninth. In eight pitches, this is what he does. Single, single, wild pitch, walk. Yep. You're out of the game. They bring in a relief pitcher, and he blows it, and Crawford doubles, and the game's over. So, I mean, just a gross performance by Araldus Chapman, mm-hmm. and now the Mariners have life again. The and Mariners have life. The Mariners. And the Astros and Blue Jays are both cheering for the Mariners to yeah. lose. Mariners have life right now because – if they win the final three games against the Texas Rangers, they'll win the division. That's wild. Well, well, well the Astros, Astros you never know what the Astros are going to do. But, hey, they got a shot. They got a shot here, and the Astros still have a shot. So the Mariners are three games back. Astros are two games back. 
Rangers in first place. American League wildcard race. The Blue Jays picked up a much-needed win thanks to Chris Bassett. They beat the Yankees. They are one game up on the Astros for the second wildcard, and they are two games up on the Mariners for the third wildcard. So the Mariners still not out of the wildcard race yet if Toronto were to somehow fall flat on their face. In the National League wildcard race, I mentioned the Marlins, where they are. They are a game and a half back of the Diamondbacks for the second wildcard, but they are currently the third wildcard, a half game up on the Cubs, who got swept by the Braves. They've dropped three straight. The Reds are still alive, a game and a half back, and yes, the Padres mathematically still alive right now. So here's the schedule for tonight. We'll start with the games that matter. Marlins and Pirates, we don't have a spread yet because they I, they might not have even landed in Pittsburgh yet, to be honest <laughs> with wild. you. And I don't know what their pitching situation is going to be for this game. Oh, and by the way, the weather doesn't even look good for Pittsburgh. So the Marlins might just get absolutely screwed in this situation. The Blue Jays are home against the Rays. Yusei Kikuchi is on the mound. They are minus 145 favorites. Aaron Savali gets to start for Tampa. Tampa, nothing to play for. Nope. Nothing to play for. Division's over, nothing to play for. What are they going to do? Toronto desperate. Toronto desperate. Uh, You have the Padres. They're at the White Sox. They need to sweep, win out, and then hope that everybody else loses out. It's not going to happen. But, hey, stranger things, right? Dylan Cease goes for the White Sox. Nick Martinez for the Padres. San Diego minus 140. Cubs need a bounce-back win in the worst way. They play the Brewers, who have nothing to play for besides... Keeping the Cubs out of the playoffs. Keeping the Cubs out of the playoffs. (laughs) You're right. So, Kyle Hendricks will go for the Cubs. Colin Ray... For the Brewers, Chicago, minus 115. The Reds are at the Cardinals. You have Brandon Williamson going for the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, Jake Woodford getting the start for the Cardinals. Cincinnati is minus 120. Astros are at the Diamondbacks. Both of these teams have something to play for. Diamondbacks are minus 130 with Zach Gallen making his final start of the regular season. What a year he has had, 17-8, 3-4-9 ERA. J.P. France will go for the Astros and Mariners hosting the Rangers. Nathan Yavaldi scheduled to go for the Rangers. Brian Wu for the Mariners in a series that, uh, man, I mean, after getting the walk-off win, do you want to back the Mariners? For like playing certainly feel like the, momentum's on their that's side, what right? I'm saying like like the belief that hey, we can do this thing, we can pull it off. Like after a winning and walk off fashion, you look like like last night, it could have looked like they were going to be eliminated, yeah, from the playoffs. Now they're alive for everything. Don't you think that's got to be motivating for them? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, I, I, I think that they. I, again, we don't know what the uh, the line. There's no line up for this yet, right? This will no. be later on today, but yeah, I, I I would look if the if you can find a good number, I'd I'd lean to the the Mariners as well. And I know Looks this like Bet Online has it at uh, see Mariners minus one twelve. Yeah, well, so even both ways. Yeah, much, yeah, even spread. Yeah, I, I like the Mariners here. I, I do too. Uh, other games that don't have playoff implications: Guardians at the Tigers, Cleveland minus one fifteen, Red Sox at the Orioles, Baltimore. Minus 130. John Means on the mound for Baltimore, and that's important. The more that they rev this guy up, it's going to be – I mean, think about seeing John Means pitch in the postseason yeah, after th- the Tommy John surge. It's incredible. This is kind of what we thought the Dodgers were looking to do with Walker Bueller. Yeah. And then they decided, you know what, safer for us to just play play the long game, sit out for the rest of this season, come back, start next season. But it was like, man, the, it's almost like making a massive trade at the deadline. Huge. 
And John Means, he's not Walker Bueller, but he's very, very solid. John Means in his last start, seven and a third, one hit ball, gave up one run on a solo home run. Yeah, could be a, 96 pitches. So could be a difference maker in the he, playoffs. He's built up. I mean, yeah, I mean, you slide him in like Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish, and now John Means as your three starters. Like, that, that's a huge boost to the Orioles if he can – He's already built up, so if he just continues, they look great. Um, the Phillies are at the Mets. Taiwan Walker for the Phillies. Tyler McGill for the Mets. Philly minus 120. I don't have a DraftKings dog of the day, okay? but I've got a favorite that I'm going to play. And what's that? It's the Phillies. Yeah, Mets it, staying up till 1 o'clock in the morning. That, but also, what happened in the Phillies game? They lost, right? Yeah, and, Bryce Harper got chucked from the game by Angel Hernandez. We we discussed the Phillies have nothing to play for. They're locked into the top wild card mm-hmm. spot. Win or lose that game, it didn't matter. Bryce Harper flipped out over yeah. a terrible call that mm-hmm. got made, got ejected. What that tells me is Philly cares. They're they like these games that you can They're say hard. you can say these games don't matter. They're still living and dying with every at bat because it, I think what they learned and and before this loss, Philly had won seven straight games, so they were looking to go into the playoffs, and they still are on a hot streak because what happened last year. Last year, they were fighting for their playoff lives. They go into the playoffs as a wild card team at the end of the year, playing every game like it's a playoff game, and they ride that momentum all the way to the World Series. So I think that's the lesson that they learned from last year is to, you know, not put the brakes on here at the end of the season, yep. but keep pushing as if every game means something. And, uh, you know, another instance where Angel Hernandez is in the middle of something. It's like, oh, it was a terrible call. You know, think about this. What's the old saying in football? It's if we know the offensive lineman's name, that's a bad thing. Yeah. Like if you know an umpire's name, it's a bad thing. Like this guy is always in the middle of some of the worst calls and arguments and stories in major league baseball. And and then he sues the league because he's not getting games because you're being graded on your performance, dude. And you suck. Like, there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot <laughs> wrong there. Uh, other games uh, on the schedule, Carlos Rodon for the Yankees, as they are minus 145 favorites at the Royals. The Yankees are 81 and 78. You want to talk about a team playing for something? They have three games left, all three against the Kansas City Royals. Mackenzie, I'm not a math major, but what's 81 plus three? 84. Okay, okay. Hold on. So that's more than. Yep, that's 80, what I got too. That's more than eighty-two, right? Yep. Yes. Okay. By so, two. By two. By two. Yeah. Okay. So they got a little wiggle room, but if to me it seems like if the Yankees win two of their last three games, they'll clinch. They'll have a winning record. They need one win. They need one win to finish five hundred. No, they're eighty-one. They have eighty-one wins right now. Yeah. So they, if they win, they're going to be better than five hundred. Eighty-two and eighty. Oh yeah. So they need one more win. I, right? I knew you weren't a math I major. I am not a math <laughs> major. You prefaced it. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> so that's it. Only one more win. I think this is it. This is the win tonight. This is the win that gets them the clinch. All right. They're popping champagne. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> uh, other games. Let's see. What do we have? Dodgers at the Giants. Lance Lynn gets the start against Keaton Wynn. So uh, Lynn versus Wynn. Who wins? <laughs> give me uh I, I don't know give me give me win chase Silseth starts for the angels ken waldachuk for the a's the uh angels are minus 140 twins at the rockies joe ryan ty blotch in that one and that is your major league baseball outlook 
for tonight. Make sure you guys head to pregame.com and take advantage of the incredible discounts we have available for you. And in honor of the Major League Baseball postseason push, we are running a promo to save you 20%. Push 20 is going to get you 20% off at pregame.com. There's weekender packages you can buy right now, and that gets you every pick for the entire weekend from your favorite pregame pro. You can get a college football card for tomorrow, an NFL card for Sunday, or a single best bet for either of the days. Take 20% off whatever you'd like at pregame.com. You know what? Using the promo code PUSH20. Let me throw something else out there. You just mentioned that weekender. Yep. I'm going to call an audible because I'm going to give them a better deal than that 20% off the weekender. How about this weekend? You used the promo code WEEKEND10. Or Weekender 10, right, McKenzie? Or Weekender 10. And I'll let you guys in on a little secret. Not many people know this, but we thought ahead. If you accidentally, because we didn't spell it out for you, put Weekend T-E-N, counts. It still works. Good. Count but the just bucket. put in the word Weekend, then the number one and the number zero. That works, too. And you can get some, someone's entire weekend card, whoever you might want. Whether Whoa, you want Fe- really? Fezzik, okay. you want Essler, you want McKenzie's 10-3 and three this season in the NFL. Never lost. Uh, I mean, times. people are killing it. Uh, you want our college action. There's no UFC this weekend. Uh, but, you know, there, I'll, I'll have college and NFL up. Scott will have college and NFL up. Whatever you want, who, whichever your favorite pro at pregame is, you can get a weekender Sick. for just 10 bucks. So this is a good deal. Weekend access goes from now until Monday. So you're you're gonna get Monday night football access as well bam, on bam, this. Bam, bam. And you get it all for 10 bucks using that promo code weekend10. It's normally 89 bucks. 10 bucks this weekend. Come on. All right, can't beat that. Head to pregame.com. Sign up for free and become a pregame.com member. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas, AM.